0: You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. Good morning, Northway. How are we doing this morning? Good. Good. Awesome. It's good to see you. You look good. You sound good. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab those. Exodus 20 is where we're going this morning. Exodus 20, we're going to start in verse 8 and we'll read through verse 11. And while you're finding your place and getting comfortable, let me introduce myself just in case uh, I haven't been able to meet you yet. My name is Ian O'Donnell. I serve as one of the ministers here on staff at Northway. And if you're a guest with us today, we're so glad you are here. Uh, We are continuing on in this short little mini-series before we get going in Advent, covering spiritual discipline. So last week, Logan Thompson kicked us off, did an incredible job as we talked about the practice of being in God's Word. This reality, this idea that truth... It's not based on our thoughts, it's not based on what we feel, but ultimately is founded upon God's revealed word, and how this word is fully sufficient to show us how to navigate the world, who we are in light of who God is, and how to pursue life and find life, joy, and peace in the person and work of Jesus. And I want to continue on today as we continue studying this idea of spiritual disciplines, habits of grace, or practices of Jesus by looking at something I think is incredibly vital and yet is often overlooked, and it's the spiritual discipline of the Sabbath rest. The spiritual discipline of the Sabbath rest. Um, This topic in particular, friends, we could spend so much, like so many weeks, so so many hours studying this specific thing. Um, and I know for hearing this, like hearing the word Sabbath, there's probably a number of thoughts, opinions, and assumptions that can enter into the room today. So my hope, my prayer, honestly, is that God's word would just provide helpful clarity as we spend time together today. Uh, I saw this quote over the weekend. I thought it would be helpful by a guy named John Tyson. He says, Satan uses exhaustion as much as he uses sin, and rest is warfare in a season like this. And when we reflect upon The past year, I think we would say it's anything but restful. And yet the King of Kings calls us to himself this morning and says, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what has happened or will happen, you can always find rest in me. And I'm praying we can believe that and trust that and see it to be true this morning as we enter into God's word. So Exodus chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 8 and read through verse 11. And the word of God says this. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, we thank you just for the opportunity we have each week, even in just this gathering, for an opportunity to pause, to slow down, to breathe. When It seems like there's always something else we could be doing, something, another box to check or a task to complete. God, I'm grateful for a space like this where you call us to just sit at your feet, to drink from the well that always satisfies in you, Jesus. So I just pray you would meet us here this morning, that for those who are walking in weary, which I would imagine is the majority, if not all of us, God, would you restore us, would you fill us with you? You are more than enough for our souls. And I pray we are open-handed this morning, open-hearted, ready to receive God, your presence, your word, all that you're inviting us into this morning. Uh, And friends, I just want to invite you to take an opportunity to pray a similar prayer for yourself. Ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. Um, As we approach the holidays, for some, this could be really exciting, or it could be the exact opposite. Um, Or this year has been all that it has, and it's been hard, and it's been tiring, and it's been exhausting. But either way, God knows your heart. He knows your story. He desires to speak and commune with you today. So take a moment, just ask God to speak with you, to be here today among you. And to meet you where you are. Take a moment to do that now. Father, we love you and we trust you. May your word and your name be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Back when I Uh, originally graduated college, Um, I was working for a church at the time that had free counseling. There was a biblical counseling center attached to it, and uh, I realized it was time to stop avoiding things that I had been avoiding for a very long time. So uh, in about our second or third session, uh, my counselor asked me a question that to this day is one of the most interesting, most intriguing questions I've ever heard, and he asked simply this, how do you think the Bible would define being successful? How do you think the Bible defines being successful? It's an intriguing question, and it's, uh, it's one I would love for you to just consider in your head right now. How would you answer that question? I asked our interns this question back in August. We did a little intern form for them. We were studying the same topic, talking about Sabbath, and all their answers are really good. Um, they talked about, okay, success would probably be making disciples or bearing the fruits of the Spirit or becoming more like Jesus. And that was more of the route I took when I was answering my counselor at the time. And he said, those are good but they're not quite there. They're incomplete. They're missing something. And he pointed me to a text like 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So a lot of what my answer was and what the interns were answering is what I would identify as godliness, us growing into the likeness of Christ. But what my counselor was pointing out, it's like, but it's not just godliness; it's godliness with contentment, because it's one thing for us to pursue being like Jesus. It's a whole other to be able to rest fully content in Jesus, with Jesus. For regardless of what happens in the world, regardless of what might happen in our lives, that no matter what comes, we can say, if I have Jesus, we, I I have enough. I will be okay to be content in him, satisfied in him. Now, why start there this morning? Why start with contentment this morning? Because I believe discontentment. discontentment tends to be the primary root of our unrest and our inability to rest. This, this need in us, this feeling in us that says there's, there should be more that I need to keep going, I need to keep showing, I need to keep working, I need to keep striving, I need to keep proving is this feeling in us that is actually saying, it isn't enough, this isn't enough, that wasn't enough, which is, to be honest, is us probably really saying, I am not enough. I am not enough. So we just move on to things where we just kind of numb this reality. We just scroll through our social media feeds. We watch another episode or movie of something all the while maintaining this steady hum of anxiety or living on edge. And we miss all that the Lord is calling us to, what he's offering us when he invites us into his rest. So my hope for us today, if you wanted a thesis statement for our time together today, is going to be this, that if we want rest, we have to start with contentment. And contentment in the Lord will lead to a right, enduring rest with the Lord. Contentment in Christ will lead to a right and enduring rest with Christ because of the work of Christ. And I believe we're going to see that as we start our time in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Just some helpful context that's happening in this passage right now. Um, The Israelites have recently been uh, liberated from their uh, slavery in Egypt, and now they're wandering the desert in search of the promised land. And I would argue they're also in search of themselves. For the past several hundred years, they have been formed by the Egyptians' culture, their customs, their morality, their way of living. And now God is going to be giving the Ten Commandments to the Israelites to help them understand and see, No, this is the people I'm calling you to be. You're not meant to be like the Egyptians. You're not meant to be like the other nations. You are meant to be holy, a people set apart. That's what that definition is. It means holy, set apart, different than. Not better than, as Christians, when we're called to be holy, it doesn't mean we're better than other people. That's not it. But we are meant to be other than. We're called to be different. And the Ten Commandments was a step one to how the Israelites were able to pursue becoming more like God and becoming distinct. And this morning, I want to take some time to focus on the fourth one, the fourth one in particular, because I think there are actually just some things in here that are very intriguing as we focus on Sabbath and resting. So let's start again in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So I want to pause here real quick. Have any of y'all ever thought about, like, why on earth would God have to command the Israelites to rest? you Ever thought about that before? Like, imagine Moses, he's already given the, the first three commandments, and now we get to the fourth, and he's calling the Israelites, okay, you ready? Here's the fourth one stop working. Don't work. Like, I don't know about for you, but when I hear that, I'm like, great, I will, I will gladly not do that. I can think of parents in the room today, like, if you were to tell your kids, hey, stop doing your chores, I'm like, gladly, I will receive that. Thank you, right? But why, why would God have to make it, like, it is the fourth of the 10 commandments. This is a big deal. Why would he need to command this? Well, I think, again, we have to go back and look at the culture that the Israelites just came from. All they've known was work. They were living in slavery. Every day was work, which means they would have likely over time just begin to find their worth, their value, their dignity, their identity, all in how good they were at their jobs. They would have found all of who they are, their value, if they matter or not, based on how good they were to accomplishing a task, their giftings, their talents, their abilities, and friends, I think we have to consider how much that has not changed. I think we need to take a step back and consider, man, has this changed at all? Because I think if we were to take an honest look at ourselves and our culture, the culture, our society celebrates the grind. Like, pack your schedule, cram it in. The busier you are, the more important you must be. It's almost as if we brag about how much we have going on in our life, right? I mean, I remember... During the beginning of shelter in place earlier this year, I'm sure y'all, y'all saw it as well in your social media accounts, but there was this constant idea, this thread of like, hey, if you don't leave, like finish COVID-19 shelter in place with some new project being done or some unique skill now added to your arsenal, then you were a failure. And I don't know who decided they, get, they got to decree that as law, but I felt that. I was like, oh man, I, I need to do this. I felt this new rush. Why? Because that is our culture This constant need, we need to go, 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 do this, do this, do this, do this. As if our identity is strictly tied to our talents. If our worth is ultimately tied to our work. And one of the things God is trying to do by giving this gift that is the Sabbath, this fourth commandment, one of the key things he's trying to do off the bat, he's communicating to the Israelites then and us today. He's saying, hey, I'm not like your former masters. I'm not like the Egyptians who ruled over you. I'm not like your employees or some of your bosses you might have today. Your worth to me is not based on your output or your ability to achieve and accomplish. That is not where your worth is from. When God is giving this command, He's showing us hey, I want you to rest, but rest is not found in the absence of work, it's found in the presence of God. You can rest, you can be content, because your value is not in your work. God's coming around and saying, Your work is not where your worth, your identity, your dignity, your value is found. Your worth is not found in your work. It's found in your God. So rest. Be still and rest. Be content. Be at peace. Our identity is not found in anything we could ever do, but in who God is. That's our source of worth and value and dignity. We're not meant to be people who are walking around with like a resume on our chest Constantly trying to prove ourselves, prove our significance, our value to friends or to companies or to the world. Saying, okay, I mean something. I'm significant. Look at this. Just always stressed out trying to just do the next thing and the next thing. The Sabbath reminds us it isn't about our work as much as it is about our God. So we need to pause. We need to take this into consideration and rest. I love this commandment so so much. It's so good for us. But friends, we need to consider, if we're neglecting it, why? Are we not trusting the Lord in this? Are we not trusting that he is enough, that he is fully able to satisfy, that he declares who we are, and we can trust that, right? I also love this commandment because there's so many other good nuggets happening in this text. Let's continue on in verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Uh, parents, I hope you didn't miss this. But what a cool family discipleship opportunity, right? Like it's not just mom and dad saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're, we're gonna shut it down and not work." No, this is meant to be a, a whole family opportunity. Of how cool would it be? Like you get to raise your kids to help them understand like, hey, you are not your grades. You are not how good you are at this sport or your art or your music. You're worth. And mommy and daddy love you because you are made in the image of God. And he loves you and we love you the same. What a cool opportunity to be able to raise your kids in this rhythm, in this manner to say, we are all valuable in the eyes of God because of who he is. I mean, of course, the schoolwork and all those other things matter? Absolutely. Does our work matter? Yes. But it's not where you find your value and your identity. That's always rooted in God, always rooted in Jesus. And then I love how it's all tied together in verse 11, and it's rooted in the example of God. That's where this commandment comes from. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, made it set apart. So God gives this decree of like, hey, you're going to work six days, but rest one. Why? Because that's what he did in Genesis 1. That was his example that he set when he was creating everything. God created by just speaking it into existence, and then he rested. Why? This is an important question. Did God need to nap? Was he tired? No. If that were true, we're worshiping the wrong God. That's not why he did it. That's not who our God is. Our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, is all places at one time. He didn't need to rest. So what was he doing? He was being a good father. He was giving us a good example, a rhythm of life to follow. If you look at the scriptures, God is really great at not just telling us stuff, but showing us how to do it by leading the way himself. He's a good dad. He's a good friend. He's a good king to us. And he did this so he could communicate loud and clear that at least once a week, you would be reminded that you are not your work. You are not your talents. You're not your gifts. You are not what you own or what you don't own. You are not what you bring to the table. You are who God says you are which is loved in his if you are in Christ. Sabbath, this time of rest once a week is where we're meant to regain perspective and remember that it's not about us being enough. It's about him being enough. Sabbath is a weekly reminder. we We can remind ourselves, I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to have all the answers because he does. So I can breathe, I can pause, I can slow down, I can rest, okay? But as we move forward, I want to take a look at what the rest of the Bible has to say on this subject. So we're going to turn to Mark two. Uh, the words will be on the screen behind me, so you can trust I'm not lying to you. Um, but if you look in the scriptures, Jesus uh, in a lot of his confrontations with the Pharisees, they happen because they really don't like Jesus doing stuff on the Sabbath. He gets real; they get really mad about this. Uh, and this is the one of the this is the first one we see in the Gospel of Mark. So this is Mark chapter two, starting in verse twenty three. And he said to them, "The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath." So, real quick, what is what is Jesus doing here? Well, throughout Jesus' ministry, a lot of his teachings are based on the simple idea of him deconstructing the misunderstanding and the misinterpretation that the Pharisees were always teaching about the law and reconstructing it and saying, no, this was God's heart. This was his intent. This is what it actually means we read these things. So he's having to do the same right now when it comes to the Sabbath because the Pharisees were turning what was meant to be a gift into another form of chains. If we really look at how the Pharisees had twisted this, they actually have made it to where they were leading the Jewish people back into the same way of thinking and the same way of living that they experienced when they were in Egypt. That you are how good you are at executing this other command. Again, it was based on them and their output rather than who God is. It was not a gift anymore. It was a burden. It wasn't leading them into rest. It was leading them into stress. But Jesus is trying to lead the people out of the slavery of sin in this misinterpretation. This is why he says, the Sabbath is meant for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's meant to be a gift, not another form of slavery. And then he ties it all together. He caps it off by saying, hey, just so you know, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what Jesus is saying here is, If he's Lord over humanity, which he is, and the Sabbath was a gift to humanity, which it is, then he's Lord over the Sabbath. And now I want you to know there are so many things that are actually really cool and special about that one thing. And we unfortunately don't have time for it. Like I said, we can spend a whole lot of time talking about the Sabbath. It's really great. The main takeaway I want you to hear from this today, though, is when Jesus is saying he's Lord of the Sabbath, he's also saying you're not. If Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, it means we're not. And what that means is that he knows best when it comes to our rest. Jesus knows best when it comes to our rest. When it comes to him saying, hey, I know what's going to lead you away from rest and into exhaustion, into stress, into discontentment. I know what that'll be. And I know what will ultimately give you rest, which is why he calls us to himself. Friends, we are meant to pause once a week. We're meant to sleep at night for eight hours, please, God, please. Um, We're meant to do these things because resting is how we regularly acknowledge that we are not God, and that's a good thing. Us sleeping every night is us having to throw our hands up and say, I have to slow down, I have to stop, so God, you got it. It's us having to say, regardless of what happens tonight, I can trust God's sovereign, he's control, he's good, he's for me, so God, you take it, I I need to slow down, I need to stop. The Sabbath is meant to be an ongoing reminder of this reality. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, not us. So friends, look at me real quick, please. You are not meant to know every answer to every impossible situation in this year. You are not meant to hold everything together. You are not meant to accomplish every task with flying colors. That's not the goal. That's not success in this life. Success is, no matter what happens, finding contentment and peace in Jesus and growing in godliness in him. That's the goal. And if we believe that and we trust that, we will finally be able to breathe and stop. Uh, My wife, Callie, and I talk about this all the time, but there's always another thing we could be doing. I promise, your task list ain't never going away. There's always something else you could do, whether it's at work or in school or with Uh, At home with your family, there's always something else you could accomplish. The world is only going to keep saying do, but Jesus has said done. He said it is finished and he meant it. And if we believe that, we're going to finally be able to slow down, stop and breathe, to be still and rest and know that he is God. We are not. And that's a great thing. This is why Jesus invites us in in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of the beautiful things we can take away from just this one passage is how Jesus doesn't just give us rest, he is our rest. Do we see that distinction? Jesus doesn't just give us rest, he himself is our rest. It helps us adjust for a second and understand we don't want to come to God just to get things from God. If we always do that, then we're just turning him to a more glorified version of Santa. We come to God to get God. We come to Jesus to get more of Jesus. Why? Because he is our rest. He is our peace. He is our hope. He is our righteousness. He is our love. And all of our restoration has been and always will be found in him resting in him and with him, okay? So with all that said, um, I would love us now to, to turn a corner for a second and look at some practical things. I know this is a lot of helpful theology, but I want us to be able to turn it out and say, okay, what do, what do we do? What do we do with this? Because Sabbathing is it's us finding peace in the person of Jesus, regardless of circumstances, regardless of people, regardless of work. But how do we, how do we turn that into our regular routine? How do we actually plan a Sabbath? So I want to, before I keep going, Bible over here, me over here. I'm going to say some things as an example that I think, that I hope is just a helpful guide for you. But what I don't want you you to hear me say are things that turn this gift into a burden. I don't want to be a Pharisee to you. So at the end of the day, what matters most is your posture of heart before the Lord on your Sabbath, your intent before the Lord on your Sabbath. So I'm going to describe some things that I do. That doesn't mean you have to do them, but I'm hopeful that it's just a helpful example for how you can spend some time with Jesus and and look at with your family, okay, or your roommates, what could this look like for us? So step one, pick a day, pick a Sabbath day, So for me, I work Sunday to Thursday, so my Sabbath is on Fridays. Surprise if you didn't know this, you don't have to Sabbath on Sundays. A lot of people, uh, a lot of pastors uh, in America right now would argue that Sunday might not be the best Sabbath day anymore because more people have treated it less as a day of rest and more as a way to prep for the week. So it might be Saturday now, but either way, you know best there. Spend some time with Jesus to be able to solve that, but step one, pick a day. And then with that, The most important thing we ever do on our Sabbath is to rest with Jesus, not away from him. If we're going to make sure one thing happens, it absolutely has to be this, that we're resting with Jesus, not away from him. That we're spending at least some time, some portion with God and his word in prayer to slowing down and spending time with him. Okay, I'm going to say something that might seem odd, but I promise it'll make sense. The Sabbath is a gift to you, but it isn't primarily for you. The Sabbath is a gift to you, but isn't primarily for you. And here's what I mean. Exodus 20, verse 10, if we go back to this, if I can find it, here we go. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. Who is it to? The Lord, your God. Now, why is that? Why is our day of rest supposed to be to Jesus? Because he is your only true source of rest. If you're actually going to rest on the Sabbath day of rest, it has to be in the source of rest. So he says the Sabbath is meant to be time with the Lord. It's a gift for you, meant to be spent with him because that is the only place you're actually going to rest. So we're talking about Sabbathing. It's not to simply fulfill leisure-based desires. It's not just to knock out your hobbies. It's not meant just to kick your feet up after a long week. It's meant to be intentional time that you are spending with Jesus. Again, rest is not the absence of work. It's Resting in the presence of God, sitting in the presence of God. So we want to consider, okay, how do I cultivate an environment or a rhythm that builds contentment in Christ, that leads to godliness, that helps me find rest and peace in Jesus? That's what we're trying to accomplish. So step one is, how do I spend time with God and his word? But it doesn't have to just be that. I know for some, they might feel burdened to say like, okay, if I'm Sabbathing, that's eight hours in the Bible and a journal in prayer. Now, it could be that, but it doesn't have to be that. It's also just surrounding yourself with things and people that help you see more of Jesus, that help you find more joy and contentment in Jesus, that help you delight and worship Jesus. That's the goal of the Sabbath. What are things that draw me to Jesus, not away from him? What stirs my affections for Jesus? So for me, um, I'm a crazy person on my Sabbath. I wake up really early. Um, I wake up like 445. I'm a crazy person. Um, I'll work out. And then I'll get time with God and His Word. And then if I'm lucky, maybe I'll get to go like play around a round of golf. Not that I'm good at it or anything like that. But it's it's outside. I find it restful, it's enjoyable, it's a game that's challenging, it's different. <coughs> I promise my throat is just scratchy. Um <laughs> But how do I surround myself with things like this? Like, it's it's just a little exercise that I love to enjoy, being outside, being able to worship Jesus and what he's created. Another one for me is basketball. Um, I will play basketball and then I will leave tired. I will leave exhausted, but I'm filled. Why? Because of gratitude. It leads me to worship Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you that I even get to do this, that you created a game that brings me so much joy that I I get to represent him as I play. And I go home tired, but I go home filled and grateful for who Jesus is and who he's inviting me and calling me to be because of the gospel. Uh, Parents, I think in some senses, you can probably relate. When you think about your kids. Uh, Callie and I are really close to a couple in RGC who are in their first year, uh, and they are tired, tired all the time. They are exhausted. But I know when they see their sweet baby boy's face, I might be tired, but it's also drawing me to Jesus. I might be exhausted, but it's drawing me to Jesus. How? Because you can think of, God, thank you that I get to be a part of this little soul's life. That I get to lead them in the gospel story to help them know Jesus and experience him for the first time. Yes, they're going to be tired, exhausted, maybe even frustrating days for sure. But at the same time, it can also be restful and filling because it's drawing you closer to Jesus growing in godliness and contentment in Christ. This is what we want to try to do. Friends, I call these fills. Fills, things that draw us to Jesus on our Sabbath day. We want to maximize our fills. And then we want to minimize our drains. Drains are everything you think they are, everything that takes you away from Jesus. What doesn't fix our eyes on Jesus? What distracts us from Jesus? What draws us away from him? What are things that... um, don't help me find rest and peace in the Lord, but are just producing anxiety and discontentment and in, in, in everything and in everywhere, right? So step one on your Sabbath, you want to avoid drains. Uh, the key one is work. Do not work. Now, I want to make this distinction. I forgot to say this in the nine. That doesn't necessarily mean yard work. I know there's some people out there who get really filled by yard work. That's fine. Live your dream. Um, that's not me. I'll be honest. But I want to make that separate. Like, turn your email off. Delete that app. Whatever is tying you to work, let Slack go to sleep, right? Like, those are that's the, step one. You avoid work on the Sabbath. But second, consider what your drains are. Uh, for me, and I think honestly probably one for a lot of us, is screens. Um, I love stories. I love books. I love TV shows. I love movies. But friends, there is too much of a good thing. There is such thing. Uh, so I recently started watching The West Wing. I love it. I think it's so good. I'm grateful to Jesus that I exist in an era that I get to watch this show. Um, it is so. I think the writing is wonderful. It's funny. Uh, it's really great. But if I pass two to three episodes, then it is no longer something that's drawing me to Jesus. It's drawing me into laziness. It's drawing me into slothfulness, and it's making the day about me when it's not meant to be about me. It's meant about worshiping Jesus. So I learned early on, especially in college, I had to turn that sucker off and just go do something else. I just had to be mindful about it and plan for it Uh, in the same way. I've had to do the same thing with social media. Um, I was telling the staff this, and they laughed at me, but on Fridays, I made it to where I could get on Instagram for one minute, And they were like, why why would you even do that? Why give yourself a minute at all? Why not just turn it off? And it was for this reason. Um, I would start because I just built this habit of eventually I get on Instagram and then my minute would go up and the screen time would say, hey, your time is done. And it was a helpful reminder that I saw like, oh, that's right. Today is not about this. It's meant to put this away remove these distractions and to fix my eyes on Jesus. So friends, for some of you, college students, young adults, made for roommates in your house, consider what could this look like together? What would it look like if you were to all go in together and just shut off social media for a day? I'm not talking about the rest of your life. I'm just starting, let's, let's just start with this day. Well, when am I going to post my story? Tomorrow. Post, like, take a picture and save it, right? But let it be. Let it be. Families encourage you to maybe consider the same thing. What could this look like for you as you do this together? Imagine what it would be like if we just remove these distractions, these things who, I mean, friends, if we look at research from the past 10 years, it would say our anxiety has increased, and that's a predominant factor. I read an article a few months ago that said the collective IQ of Americans has dropped in the past 10 years. We have more access to information than ever in human history, and yet we're not getting smarter. And I think it has everything to do with how we're distracting ourselves and numbing ourselves with these things. Screens into themselves, are they like the root of all evil? No. But are we using them in a way that's helpful? Not necessarily. So we need to really consider, are these leading me to Jesus or are they just a major distraction from him? And that could be something to consider for all of our days, but at least your Sabbath, what could it look like to put that away? I know for some people, uh, they turn off their phones completely on their Sabbath. I am not quite there yet. I don't think I'm that godly. Uh, But I'd like to be. I'd like to get there. I'd like to get to that point for sure. So just some things I want y'all to consider, and then a few things, last thoughts before we go. Uh, It's a question I think we have to ask when we're talking about something like this. Where have we been trying to find our rest that isn't Jesus? Where have we been trying to find our rest that isn't Jesus? Because I think, honestly, I don't think we necessarily haven't been trying to rest. I think we would recognize, I am tired and I'm exhausted, but the question is, where are you running when that happens? What people, places, or things are you going to that's making you think, this will give me rest, this will give me peace, this will give me joy, this will give me contentment, this will remove my stress and my anxiety? What, what, what are these things in your life that you're ultimately believing, this could give me more rest than Jesus could? And friends, I think if you were to be honest, you could look at those things and saying it's not working. It's not doing what you thought it would or what you were told it would. It's not producing the rest. You know your soul deeply needs and desires. We need to consider and look at these things. Remember, rest is not the absence of work, but rather it's what you're running to, and you have to run to the right thing in Christ Jesus. That's where our rest is found. Um, a great example of this to consider is just people who are retired, How many people do we know who no longer work anymore and yet still feel like something is missing, something's incomplete, something's off? Because even though they might not be working and now they're trying to rest, they're resting in all the wrong things. If you want to truly know rest, you have to know the true Jesus. To truly know rest, you have to know the true Jesus. I believe it was Augustine that told us, our hearts will be restless until they find our rest in Christ. We have to consider these things. And because of that, friends, we have to also think about you're not going to accidentally do this. We don't stumble into holiness. We don't accidentally become more like Christ. It requires intentionality. It requires planning. And the same goes with our Sabbath. So I want you to just imagine this for a second. Imagine if you did not plan your vacation until it started. Imagine you're finally on your first day of PTO and you did not book your flight. You did not book where you're staying. You did not book your rental car. You didn't book all of your activities and what you're doing. You're doing that day of. How does that sound? awful, awful, and a glorious waste of my time off, right? But why do we plan it ahead of time? So you can actually enjoy it. So you can actually go well. So you can step into these things already planned and be able to rest. The Sabbath isn't any different. How can you plan this out? How can you prepare for it so you can actually experience rest? I know for some, it's like, I'm going to work for my rest. That seems counterintuitive. I know, but that's, the only, that's how it works, you look at all the other areas of your life, that's what you need to do to make sure it happens and it goes well. And it goes well. Um, There something to consider when we're talking about planning too. I know for someone's like, hey, how do I do this with my kids? Um, I would encourage just start creating rhythms of this. What are are areas we can invite your kids along in this way, just baby steps of saying, okay, on this specific day, it's a Sabbath, here's why we're going to try to do these things. I know another example, uh, my friends Adam and Elizabeth, uh, who are over in Lubbock, they do this thing where one spouse will Sabbath in the morning while the other stays at home with the kiddos. Then they'll switch after lunch and then they'll finish their Sabbath together as a family into the evening. So there are a number of ways you could approach this, but like I said, this is between you and the Lord. Take some time to plan it out. Roommates, college students, young adults, I encourage you to do the same. What could this look like? Prep together. Sometimes it's going to be, okay, it's just me And I'm going to take the day to myself, or it's y'all together. But whatever it looks like, plan for it and prepare for it. And then the last thing, don't let the enemy shame you when you don't do this well. Don't let the enemy shame you when you don't do this well. Friends. There's more than likely going to be a time where something happens and you miss this. You forget it, something happened, you neglected it. I know for me, uh, this has already happened before in my time with in my time of following Jesus. It's happened recently, confession time, all right? So I will wake up and then I will remember it's Friday, and then I'll try to get in the word, and then I'll remember there's a new episode of The Mandalorian. And there's there's an inner inward struggle here. And the Mandalorian won, all right? Like And there is in that moment, I can remember, I'm finished the show, and I can remember, was that the best choice? Was that you should be doing? Is the Mandalorian, anything wrong with Mandalorian? No. But I can just feel the enemy creeping in and saying, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You know, you shouldn't have done that. And I just feel this guilt and shame and condemnation. And friends, I just want you to remember, that's never where the Lord is leading you. And maybe some of you feel that in the room right now, as we've talked and processed all these things, maybe you feel this weight. God, I know I've neglected this. I feel bad. I feel awful. I feel terrible. But friends, I just want you to know, as long as you're alive and breathing, the invitation to come and rest in Jesus isn't going anywhere. So don't let the enemy shame you in the future or in this moment. Jesus' arms are wide open. His invitation to healing, to freedom, a new start, new mercies, forgiveness, love, and rest is still available to you today. All I want to ask, this is based on Hebrews 3 and 4, talking about the same subject. The writer quotes Psalm 95 and says, hey, if today you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. If today you know the Lord is calling you and you know it might require turning from these other wells, these other things you've been running to rest and coming to the Lord, don't harden your hearts. Trust him. Run to Jesus today. Find rest, find healing, find wholeness, find find completion in Jesus today. The invitation is open and he's not going anywhere. He loves you. He sees you. And what he longs for you is to be able to stop and breathe and rest. And he knows you will always find it completely in him. If today you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Find rest in your good father. Find rest in our King. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we can never earn this, we can never deserve this, and yet you still call us to yourself. You call us to say we can always find rest in you. That when we might be called to find contentment or peace or hope or joy in so many other things, Jesus, you remind us, no, it's always found in you. Our life, our peace, our rest is always found in you. So I pray right now in this moment, God, would we just open our hands, our hearts to come close, to come near to breathe. To trust. Maybe in this moment, we don't have to rush off to the next thing, but we can just simply be here and know, God, you're in control. So Father, help us trust that. Help us to believe that. Not just in this day, not just in this moment, but for the rest of our days. And so we can enter the, our true and ultimate rest of seeing Jesus face to face. God, be with us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.